Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> ah, hello there. So delighted to see you've returned to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today we've got a curious item. I've taken the liberty of pulling this out. I laid out a fine velvet cloth on the display glass as we've set this down. And if you'll take a look at it, it is a crucifix. It is silver in material. And if you'll notice some of the fine details, while this has been polished, you can still see uh, little areas of tarnish. You'll find areas where you might even see a little scoring, maybe from fire damage. And is that a hint of blood? I notice over there on the edge. Yes, this is a crucifix used in many Catholic rites and in many Catholic exorcisms. And therein lies the crux of today's episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at the new film, The Pope's Exorcist. So first off, I want to say uh, sorry that we did not have any episodes last week. Of course, coming off the Easter holiday, uh, I really thought this movie, The Pope's Exorcist, was coming out the Friday before Easter, Good Friday. Uh, I don't know if that's originally how they planned it, but they thought better of it because of Easter and moved it to this uh, this past Friday, the 14th. Uh, I, I'm not sure where the confusion, whether it was on my part or maybe some rescheduling, but at any rate, they're really wasn't any big movies that came out last week uh there the week of easter and there were no shows wrapping up so i really didn't have anything to talk about so instead of trying to scrounge and find something to to talk about and just talking for talking's sake which is something i am prone to do uh just ask my my friends and family and my my dear wife she catches the brunt of all my jabbering but at any rate i decided to take a little break take a little not a vacation but just take some time off to kind of recalibrate where i'm going with some things uh with the podcast and and i decided you know this week we're going to come back strong monday uh today when uh, when you hear this episode or at least when it's first made available we're going to be talking about the pope's exorcist uh coming up on thursday's episode we're going to be talking about the new horror comedy renfield so uh some big movies that are coming out and uh, we've got a lot of big things coming up uh, moving forward. The Mandalorian's coming to an end this week and uh, lots of things to talk about and like I said, we've got some new features we're working on so just I uh, kind of took the week off last week to kind of get my bearings of where where we're going in the not too distant future while I had a little bit of downtime but was really excited about this movie coming out The Pope's Exorcist because, I mean, let's be honest if you've seen one exorcism movie, uh, you've probably seen most all of them. Uh, the thing that really interested me about this is that it had Russell Crowe. And Russell Crowe, to my knowledge, I mean, I, without going through his IMDb filmography, I, I don't know if he's done any, if 
if very many horror films. I can't think of any horror films that Russell Crowe has done, and I'm guessing this may be his first horror film. So the fact that you've got Russell Crowe attached to this was interesting. Uh, the idea that this is relatively based on a, maybe not a true story, but a but a true figure, uh, Father Gabriel Amorth. He's actually a priest in the Catholic Church and served as the exorcist for the Diocese of Rome through the 80s and until his death in 2016. So it's it's based off of the books he wrote or were written about him. So there's you know there's a little bit of historical fact to this, and I, I use fact in air quotes. But that was interesting to me, and the whole idea of having uh, an exorcist that is at the behest of the Pope himself was something that we really never we've never tread into those waters with exorcism movies. So there was a lot of interesting things that made this uh, something I wanted to watch in spite of the fact that I was pretty sure it was going to be full of all of the exorcism movie tropes that we've come to expect and that we've come to get with many exorcism movies over the past I don't know, however many years since since The Exorcist came out in the 70s. So the basic crux of this movie is you've got this family that has moved to Castile, Spain from the United States. Uh, Julia, she's the mother, played by Alex Esso. Amy, played by Laurel Marsden, she is the, the eldest daughter. And then the younger son, Henry, played by Henry D'Souza Figoni. Uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly, but the recently deceased husband of Julia, he passed away a year ago in a car accident that Henry was involved in and, and witnessed his father dying. He had in his family uh, inherited a huge abbey. It used to be a Catholic abbey. Uh, now it's kind of just run down and dilapidated in Spain. He left them with no money. They have no money. So they're banking on fixing up this old uh, Spanish abbey and selling it. And that way they can move back to the United States and they can, they can survive as a family. But they move there and the young son, Henry, uh, becomes possessed. Of course, this is all in the trailer. So it's not really spoiler territory. And then you have this Father Gabriel Amarth who comes in to perform this exorcism. And while, uh, like I said, and if you've heard anybody talk about this movie, you've heard them talk about the fact that it really breaks no new ground in the way of of how exorcism movies go you get a lot of the same tropes that you get in almost every exorcism movie uh, like i said since the the exorcist came out there in the 70s you get somebody you know walking on all fours and and contorting around you get a head spinner spinning around you're got spit up blood you've got a little kid saying some of the worst foul mouth things that I was I was quite surprised and, and pleasantly surprised that they didn't hold back with any of that stuff because in this day and age where everybody is offended about something, uh, I figured they'd kind of hold back on the demon talking through this kid and saying some of the, the worst things possible. I mean, they really went for it with the Reagan character and Linda Blair in The, the Exorcist. This probably went, if, if not that far, almost that far with this, this child Henry saying these horrible things to his mother and uh, grabbing her boob. Uh, spoiler alert, he grabs her boob and call, he does call her a fat cow, which I was like, oh man, I called my mom that. I had to get my 
mouth jack slapped but at any rate they, they went for it with that which i which i really appreciated but uh, a lot of the things you see in this are elements and tropes of exorcism stories that you've seen every other one do uh and that to me was a little bit one of the one of the few disappointments i had with this movie and and I'll say it right off the bat before we get into some spoiler territory. I really did enjoy this movie. This was a good movie. Was it a great movie? No. Was it The Exorcist Reincarnate? No. But I enjoyed it for all of the things that it did have that you haven't got in some recent exorcism movies. And that has nothing to do with the exorcism plot to, to the movie. Now, you're going to have to keep listening to, to find out what I'm talking about. And I'm sorry, but uh, we are going to have to have some spoilers because I can't talk about this movie without really diving into it and talking about it no holds barred. So if you haven't watched The Pope's Exorcist, Go watch it. Check it out in theaters right now. Or if you're listening to this podcast later, rent it or wherever you can stream it. Do that. Watch the movie and then come back and hear my thoughts on it. And maybe you'll agree. Maybe you won't agree. Uh, If you don't care about spoilers and you just want to find out a little more about this movie to see whether you're even going to watch it or not and you don't care about spoilers, then we're going to truck on. And if you have watched this movie, uh, sit back and and I'll talk about my thoughts on it. And we'll see how they jibe with what you thought about this movie. But from here on out, there are going to be spoilers. So first off, we're going to talk about the characters in this film. And there, there aren't a ton, at least as far as main characters. You get a lot of secondary and tertiary characters that really don't play a whole lot into the story. I mean, they could have cut a lot of that out and you'd still get the gist of the story and the story uh, almost in its entirety without some of these side characters like the pope, like the like the bishop lamumba character, like the the little I can't remember which uh which bishop or which cardinal he was, but the snotty american young guy. <laughs> He was kind of a prick, and and you really could do without that character because it really didn't have a whole lot of bearing on the the story in and of itself. But we're going to focus mainly on the five primary characters that we have in this, and I'm going to talk first and foremost about Russell Crowe as Father Gabriel Amorth. Now, you're going to hear it pronounced uh, several different ways in the movie, Amorth, Amorth. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm just pronouncing it how I pronounce it, and I'll probably change how I pronounce it 15 times throughout this this podcast. But uh, Father Gabriel Morth is a an actual, like I said, Catholic priest. He served as the uh, exorcist of the Diocese of Rome, uh, essentially the Pope's exorcist from the mid-80s through to his death in 2016. And we catch this story... Uh, I believe it starts in, I think it's like right around 87, I believe it says. Uh, you get some title cards on the on the screen telling you dates and things like that. And I believe this starts in 86, 87. But this Father Gabriel Morth, he actually wrote several books uh, on his time as a exorcist for the Vatican. He wrote uh, An Exorcist Tells His Story. 
uh, which was published in 99, An Exorcist, More Stories, published in uh, 2002, An Exorcist Explains the Demonic, The Antics of Satan and His Army of Fallen Angels, which was uh, published in 2016, probably right around the time of his death or maybe just after his death. And then, of course, The Devil is Afraid of Me, the life and works of the world's most popular exorcist, which was uh, published here recently, uh, a couple years ago in 2020. None of these books I have read, uh, but, you know, after watching this movie and seeing a a representation of this this real-life character on the screen makes me interested and to see what what his life was like as an exorcist uh, you know at the behest of the pope so really interested to to read more about this character but uh, russell crowe plays this character father gabriel amorth he is an exorcist and the first scene we get with him is quite interesting because you get to see how he kind of uh, maybe not change the game of exorcism, but he really took into account more than just some of these, you know, I, I'm sure there's a lot of charlatans out there that would just, you know, do an exorcism and say they vanquished the devil. And it really had nothing to do with demonic possession. And that's what you get in that first scene where the young uh, Italian man is claiming to be possessed. And Russell Crowe, as, as Gabriel Amarth, he is questioning him and you can tell that he sees something in this young man who's claiming to be possessed that uh that just something isn't right he brings in the pig a farmer brings a pig and he challenges the young man supposedly possessed by satan himself to possess this pig much like the story from the bible where jesus drives the demon i believe legion into the herd of pigs and then the pigs run off uh, a cliff killing themselves but he challenges this young man who claims to be possessed by satan challenges satan to possess this this pig and as soon as things look like maybe the pig is possessed the pig squeals and then the farmer blows its brains out uh quite a a gory and gross scene but then we find out that this kid wasn't possessed by the devil father amorth he he knew that and he just was using a little bit of psychology to get this kid to you know, essentially stop pretending like he was possessed. And and that, I think, was probably one of the interesting things about this character. The fact that, you know, 98%, I believe, of the uh, quote-unquote exorcisms he performs, it's just people need somebody to listen to them or need somebody to talk to. And he understands that not everyone who claims to be possessed is possessed, but that 2%, well, that is the pure evil that hides in the, the bowels of the earth and the, the dark and shadowy places of the earth. And those that 2% is what he knows to be real exorcism and real evil that he is, he is battling. But I really like this character because you get uh, a bit of backstory. And I think that's probably one of the things that I, I liked about this because in so many of these exorcism movies the exorcism it's kind of a 50 50 it's you know you you get a little about the possessed and you get a little bit about the exorcist and you you find more and more about them and and this really the the child henry who is possessed we we know a little bit about him we know a little bit about his family but it's just enough to get you to care about what happens to them Uh, this really this movie is really 
about the titular character, the Pope's exorcist. This movie is about Father Gabriel Amorth. And in him, you get to learn a lot about this character's past. Not a ton, but you get enough to, to understand who he is and why he is who he is. You get to understand the fact that he was a soldier. Well, not a soldier, but he was a part of the resistance in Italy, fighting the fascists and the Nazis during World War II, and how... Uh, he saw his friends gunned down by, by a German, and he should have died, but he didn't. And the guilt he felt about that, the guilt he felt about a young woman who uh, claimed to be possessed, and he knew she wasn't possessed, uh, she just had mental health issues, and he just kind of pawned her off on some some doctors and was just never really treated the way she should have been treated and ended up committing suicide in front of his very eyes and how that affected him and how that affected how he treated uh, the possessed as well as the non-possessed. And that was really kind of interesting. And I thought that was a really cool revelation later in the movie when he's talking about this this woman that he he kind of neglected because he wasn't there for her he she wasn't possessed so he didn't feel like he had anything that he could offer her and just ponder off on the doctors and and of course she killed herself but she killed herself because uh the mental problems she was having dealt back to sexual abuse uh, amongst the catholic church and i thought that was an interesting way to subtly talk about that issue and and bring to light uh, how I'm sure a lot of Catholic priests who have never touched anyone uh, who are good men have had that brought into their mindset of, you know, I should have done more. I should have paid attention more. I should have spoke out. And I thought that was a really interesting way to kind of bring those issues into this story about a, a Catholic priest and the Catholic Church. And there's things later talking about the, the atrocities of the Catholic Church during the Grand Inquisition that, that they delve into a little, little later. We'll talk about that when we when we get to that point. But the Father Gabriel Amorth uh, character in this I, I thought is really interesting and it's a complex character. But uh, but not overly complex. Uh, it's multifaceted, but this is a character that is very comfortable. This character knows his faith. Uh, once one of this other priests, uh, actually it's uh, Bishop Lumumba, he says that uh, when, when it comes their time to, to stand in judgment, that he will defend Father Gabriel. And Father Gabriel replies that I, I don't need my faith defended. I am very, uh, you know, he's very sure of his faith and that, you know, he doesn't need anybody to defend the things he's done in the name of God. But I also like this character because this character has uh, a seriousness about him. He takes his job serious, what he does serious, because it is a serious matter when you're dealing with possession, when you're dealing with uh, demons and the powers and principalities of demonic possession. Uh, it, it's very serious stuff, but I don't know if the man, Father Gabriel, in real life was like this, but the portrayal by Russell Crowe of these little kind of uh, one-off lines, these little jokey, sarcastic lines that he gives just added a bit of levity to this without being overly jokey. It, you know, it's not like your typical uh, setup and punchline jokes. It's just little little comments he makes. And I think in a lesser actor, this these these jokes don't land at all 
or they are just a little too over the top and a little too funny, or at least a little too somebody trying to be funny, an actor trying to be funny and deliver funny lines. With a seasoned actor like Russell Crowe, these lines come off as just kind of a, oh, I see what he did there. And and they're lines that, that make you kind of chuckle to yourself because you don't want to be laughing out loud in this movie. This is this is supposed to be a scary horror movie. This is supposed to be uh, a movie about demonic possession. This is a movie about exorcisms. So you don't want a bunch of laugh-out-loud jokes, but there was enough of these subtle little funny comments and quick quips from Russell Crowe as Father Gabriel that were delivered just uh, beautifully. And, and all of these jokes really landed, uh, at least for me. I, you know, I, I spent my time, like, I, I like what he just said there. That was kind of funny. To myself, not laughing out loud, not disrupting the audience in the, the theater with me. But uh, but I liked those little kind of quick quip jokes that I, I think were, were written quite well. And I think beyond being written well, they were delivered expertly by Russell Crowe, which I think makes all the difference in the world. You can write really funny, you know, one-liners, but if they're, like I said, in the wrong actor's hands, either are going to fall flat or they're just going to be too over the top and just take you out of the suspense and the thrill and the mystery and the horror of this horror movie. And I think Russell Crowe was really adept uh, at, at delivering these these funny lines in a way that was so nonchalant that it, it just, it, it blended well. It didn't stand out, but it did give you those moments of levity where you can kind of, you know, laugh to yourself and, and made the movie even more enjoyable than uh, I felt it already was. Plus, I liked Russell Crowe's accent. I was I was a little worried when I heard he was going to be doing an Italian accent because I thought it was going to be like Thor Love and Thunder when he played Zeus and he was doing this like very over-the-top Italian accent. And I thought, oh, geez, it's going to be like that. But he was very uh, adept at that as well. It was very... I've heard some people call it Olive Garden Italian. I, I don't know about that. I thought his accent was really good. I thought he played... Uh, this this character who was uh, gregarious and very friendly and like I said makes little little funny quick quip jokes kind of like somebody's grandfather. Uh, he he very much had that that feel to him and I think uh, with the accent he pulled off with the Italian it just it felt like a like an old Italian priest that is just you know he's he's fun to be around. But when shit goes down, he gets serious. And when he's all done, he's pulling a flask out and uh, taking a little nip just to just to take the edge off the nerves. But uh, I, but I, I ultimately really loved Russell Crowe's uh, portrayal of Father Gabriel. Probably one of the things that I enjoyed most about this movie for for all the things this movie lacked, and and it did lack in some things. It lacked in originality. Uh, as far as exorcism movies go, it didn't break any mold of how exorcist movies are done. It lacked in those areas. It lacked in real surprises and real shock because it was fairly formulaic when it came to 
all the things. Okay, this exorcism movie has to have this, 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 and this. And it had all those things. But what those other movies didn't have is an actor of the caliber of Russell Crowe. And I think that was probably one of the things that I enjoyed most about this. Uh, another character and actor I really enjoyed is Father Escobel. He is a younger uh, Spanish priest in the diocese that this castle or this abbey in Castile is, uh, played by Z Daniel Zavato. And I, I really enjoyed him. If you're not familiar with him, he's been... In a few things. I, I don't think I've seen any of the movies uh, he's been in. He was in Don't Breathe, which is, that's a movie I've always wanted to watch. I just never did. Uh, he's done some TV. He was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, Fear of the Walking Dead. He was in the Penny Dreadful City of Angels series, which I, I love the original Penny Dreadful series. Never watched the City of Angels series again. One of those things I... I always plan to watch, but don't. But I, I liked him. He is the kind of the apprentice uh, in this scenario where you have Father Gabriel as the exorcism expert and Father Esquibel is the the apprentice. He is a, a Catholic priest who has never done anything uh, like an exorcism. He's just, you know, he's your run-of-the-mill Catholic priest. And he we find out that he does have a bit of a backstory, and he does have a bit of a secret. It's funny because when they, they talk uh, before going in to start the process of exorcism with Henry, uh, they have to be absolved of sin, and they have to be sinless uh, before going into battle. And Father Gabriel uh, asked Father Esquire, Bell, how long it's been since his last confession? He's like eight months. <laughs> Father K was like eight months, uh, but we find out that he has a secret because the demon inside Henry brings that to light, and it sounds horrible. It sounds like he is one of these priests that is taking advantage of their position to take advantage of of young girls in this case and it wasn't that we find out later an interesting backstory on him about how uh, he fell in love and falling in love with this girl who wanted him to leave the priesthood uh, he knew he could never leave the priesthood because his first love is god and he told her he would to kind of lead her on and that was you know just to add some complication it adds some complexity to this character and, and another facet, other than the wide-eyed, innocent uh, priest who's never done an exorcist bef exorcism before, it, it gave you reason to realize he, you know, everybody is fallible and everybody uh, falls short and has uh, a sin in one form or fashion or another. Uh, you realize that he's not this infallible priest that that does nothing wrong he has made mistakes and and the thing in this case where he owns up to it and he is repentant of it uh, i think was a, an interesting aspect of this character and and brought an interesting aspect to the story and and daniel zavato uh, i think did a really good job with this character i i'm not really familiar with his work but it's it's one of those performances where like oh i i'd like to see more of him i'd like to check out some of the things i haven't watched with him in it and finally we're going to talk about the family real quick there's the mother julia played by alex esso which i was really happy to see her i i'm you know she's one of those actresses that i've 
I, I don't realize how much I enjoy them and how much of a fan I am of them. Of course, she was in 2015 Tales of Halloween in the Grim Grinning Ghost segment, which uh, I, I love Tales of Halloween. Probably one of my favorite things to watch uh, every time once we get into October and closer to Halloween. She played the version of Wendy Torrance in Doctor Sleep. And of course, she was in uh, Midnight Mass the Mike Flanagan uh, miniseries on Netflix. She played uh, Mildred Gunning, which I, I love the performance because she's playing an older woman, what she's supposed to be like in her 80s or or something like that. And then uh, she has dementia and then she finally you know, got the old person makeup and then finally backs off until she starts getting younger. It was really an interesting character and a performance I really liked of hers. She was also in uh, Midnight Club as well, another Mike Flanagan one-off series for Netflix, but uh, I really like Alex Esso, and I thought she played a, a really good job uh, with this Julia character in The Pope's Exorcist, because uh, the character, we don't really uh, spend... We spend some time with this family, but we don't get to know much, and you have to really find out a lot about this family and who they are in, in a very short amount of time before the possession actually takes place, and... I think Alex Esso does a really good job with Julia, the mother, in kind of delivering the exposition of who this family is, why they're in the position that they're in. Uh, she does it quite well. I mean, a lot of it is the writing, but a lot of it is the delivery, you know, giving lines of exposition and making it feel natural and making it feel a part of real conversations is a is a really tough thing. Uh, you know, working in the world of advertising where I'm writing commercials and you're, you're trying to give off this list of things the client wants to pass along to the listener and do it in a slice of life conversation to make it all sound natural. It's not an easy thing. And I see how that translates into to film and TV where you have lines of exposition that you really have to make feel natural. And, and part of that is writing and part of that is the delivery of the talent. And I think Alex Esso does a really good job with, with getting this set up. She is a woman who her husband has died. Uh, her and her family are trying to make it financially. And this is the only way they know how. She's uprooted her, her two children who are resenting her for this. And it's just, you, you see the pain that this woman is going through and that she is enduring and just trying to hold this family together. And after the possession, you you get bits of that, her trying to, to hold her family together and, and do whatever it takes. And she doesn't get a lot of play. Uh, after the, the beginning, once, you know, once Russell Crowe's character comes in and takes over, it is all about Father Gabriel. But but you do get some little snippets of Julia and, and the strength of her trying to, like I said, fight to keep her family together. And Alex Esso does a really good job with that. The oldest daughter, Amy, is played by Laurel Marsden. Uh, again, not an actress I'm, I'm terribly familiar with. I know she was in the Miss Marvel uh, series on Disney+. Plus. And, you know, I remember seeing her on that. But as far as that, I, I don't really know much that she's done. But she she kind of plays the bitchy, older teenage girl. She is the one that is resenting her mother for bringing them all the way to Spain, uprooting her life. And she does that very well. And then later on, you don't get much of a development with the character. But you see her start to care more once shit goes down and trying to protect her, her brother and work with her mom to protect her brother and you get some some really interesting scenes with her where she is 
being terrorized by this demon and uh, eventually taken over and possessed by the demon as well uh, because they tinker with the idea of multiple possessions, uh, which is something that I haven't seen a lot of. Uh, you know, it's usually just one kid's possessed. This doubled it, and two kids possessed. And maybe the next one will have three kids possessed. Who knows? But uh, nothing too terribly groundbreaking, but it was a little different. But I thought Laurel Marsden did a good job with the Amy character because she had, once shit started going down with this, she had a lot to do as far as performance. And and a lot of it dealt with the, the terror of being terrorized by this, this demon, uh, being possessed by this demon herself and you know she kind of got the linda blair head twisting around scene which i i don't know if it was done to as good of effect as the exorcist but it was still uh it, it worked and it was it was creepy even though i'd seen it before i saw it coming and it, it still worked even though i did see it coming and then of course the henry character peter d'souza fanny as henry you know he didn't have a lot of lines because his whole thing is he witnessed his father impaled by a piece of wrought iron or something in this car accident and saw his father die so when we meet him at the beginning of this he hasn't spoken a word in the last year since his father's death and you know that's it's a weird relationship between him him and his mother his mother just wants him to talk and you get a little bit of that but then he becomes possessed and in most all of his uh, performance is in the way he expresses himself facially uh, before the possession but especially after the possession because you get him having to emote with his face and you do get some you know he finally does talk some in this and deliver lines where they do a bit of a voiceover or a layering effect with another actor which we'll talk about here in a minute but I thought he really did a good job with that. You had a lot of great uh, prosthetic work on him. I think they did a bit of prosthetics kind of intermingled with some digital effects. I thought I thought it all really worked. Uh, I liked that they did some very practical work in the special effects department, whether it be with the possession look of Henry, whether it be practical blood, uh, things like that. I, I thought they did a really good job with, with those elements. And a thing I really really loved about this movie is the demon's voice and not really a i mean yeah not a physical performance but definitely a vocal performance ralph Ineson, who i mean this guy has done just about everything <laughs> i mean he's been in harry potter he was in game of thrones uh, unfortunate for him he was in that uh, abysmal willow series uh on disney plus i mean the guy has been all over the place and of course he is in he's in the original british version of the office he plays the todd packer style character chris finch uh he's also in one of my favorite movies uh from hell just uh, a wonderful actor and, and a great voice a very iconic not a con maybe not iconic voice i don't know but he's one of those voices definitely that you hear it and you're like i, I know that voice from somewhere where do I know that voice? And and I spent the whole movie thinking that anytime that the Henry character had lines that he delivered with this demonic voice coming out, uh, Ralph Ineson's voice, I was just like, I, I know that voice. Where do I know that voice? And he did a really good job, but he's got such a gravelly voice 
that it just it, it played well into this demonic character. But yeah, that's those are the main characters, and that's kind of their place in this story. Uh, once Father Gabriel gets to the Abbey in Castile, Spain, it really plays out like part and parcel a exorcist story, and also a, a bit of a mystery as to why you know who this demon is and why they're uh, torturing uh, Henry and. And they find out the demon is, it's a name you've heard probably tossed about. I know they've uh, mentioned this in uh, Supernatural. I think this is one of the the demons in Supernatural. Uh, I believe they talked about this in Good Omens. If you're a Dungeons and Dragons fan and play the game Neverwinter, or if you've done any any of the uh, campaigns that have to do with you know cults and stuff like that, Asmodeus is the name of this demon, and it's a mystery to find out the name of the demon because in almost all demonic lore you know if you know the name of the demon uh if you can get the name of the demon or get it to tell you its name uh it has less power uh you know it's something that has been played into before with with several exorcism movies but they find out that the demon involved is the king of hell asmodeus in finding that out there is a really interesting uh subplot where they they're going to this uh bit of walled off area underneath this abbey this former abbey where you go into this cave system and it really delves into the spanish inquisition and i think alongside of the bit with father gabriel where the the young woman that he he didn't help but could have and she ended up killing herself because uh she had been raped or molested or had something sexual done to her by by a priest and it, it delved into the the problems that the catholic church has with with priests who are, are touching people and doing things to people especially young people uh, where they delved into that they really delved into another kind of shame of the catholic church the the spanish inquisition and i think even more so you can you can chalk this up to the spanish inquisition you can chalk this up to maybe the witch hunts in salem and witch hunts you know that salem's not the only one that did witch hunts uh, back in those days i mean they were all over the world but they talked about this abbot in the catholic church how he was actually possessed by Asmodeus and infiltrated the Catholic Church and he is the one that convinced the the Queen of Spain to set the Inquisition in motion and talking about how the devil infiltrates Catholicism or infiltrates any faith uh, through people who who sow dissent and who sow poison into and, and, and wreck the goodness of any faith and i really enjoyed that kind of subplot it wasn't over the top it wasn't preachy but it kind of gave you a, a little bit of of light into the fact that you know the inquisition some horrible things happened people were tortured because of the spanish inquisition and how the the thought that in this world that a a demon possessed uh, person in the catholic church kind of spearheaded that it's a fantastical and supernatural explanation for just somebody that really didn't have a good heart in, in the catholic church spearheaded the the inquisition and things like that 
that caused so much pain to people, spearheaded by people that really didn't have the kind of faith and the kind of love and the kind of belief that uh, that a Christian should or, or that any good person should. Uh, people that really had evil on their heart, uh, whether they're demon-possessed or not, they infiltrate into good circles and can can poison the lot just by sowing the seeds of dissent and, and make people think that this is the right thing to do when, when it's not. And I, I could get into a whole big thing here. I'm trying not to make this preachy or religious, uh, but it was a really interesting way to kind of delve into particular questions about the way that Christians have acted in the past in the name of God, but not doing things that, that God would approve of. And I really loved that aspect of this. It one of those movies that really make you think about things, uh, aside from just the horror and the gore and the mystery and the fun of a, a scary movie uh, that make you think without telling you what to think. It really kind of brings forth some of those those ideas and, and makes you think about, hey, you know what, that's, that's true. Maybe things happen this way because of this or because of that. But aside from the themes like that, I, I really did enjoy this movie because while it wasn't terribly scary, uh, I, I wouldn't say th there's maybe a couple jump scares, which I didn't mind. It, it was all well within the the story being told. It wasn't no fake jump scares or anything like that. Uh, you know, it was all within the context of the story. I, I, I felt several moments where my heart was racing a little bit and it was it was very tense and intense and I, I I liked it scary and creepy in that regard. There wasn't anything terribly horrific that was was presented. Uh, nothing that's gonna make me stay up at night. Nothing that's gonna make me wonder about what's lurking in my closet or what's lurking under the bed. Nothing scary like that. Uh, that's really kind of what I want. I want something that's gonna make me scared to go out in the middle of the night in the dark or walk into a dark room or, or things like that. I haven't had that in a long while and this movie didn't give me that but it did have a lot of tense moments it really built on tension quite well uh, I thought the stakes were were enough to where you know I got anxious about how this was going to end even though I knew it was probably going to end uh, with a happy ending and it did uh, it didn't disappoint there it gave me exactly what I thought I was going to get which uh, maybe uh, I would like in some regard, a little subversion of expectation. Uh, there were no twists and turns other than, like I said, the revelations uh, within the Catholic Church that were kind of presented about the Inquisition, about priests, you know, touching kids, stuff like that. You had a lot of the typical things, like I said, people walking on all fours, heads twisting around, you know, projectile vomiting. You had, you know, people floating in the air. Uh, you had all that regular stuff. They did do one thing that I thought was really cool uh when father gabriel is first interviewing uh henry he has this medallion that he you know is moving around in front of henry's eyes and he does this with the young man who's not really possessed but he's kind of going through the motions of possession earlier and, and you realize why he's doing it because Henry's eyes are looking off one way, but as he moves the medallion, you see these glowing, uh, this glowing yellow iris 
move out from behind Henry's own physical iris. And it, it was creepy and it was a great effect. I really love that. I don't think that's any, you know, even at the time I'm like, oh, I don't think I've ever seen that in a in an exorcism movie. Uh, I, I really liked that. That was probably one of the the few really original things that they did that I, that I quite enjoyed. And as a movie goes, even though you had a movie an exorcism movie that played into a lot of the same tropes. You saw a lot of the same things you've seen in other exorcism movies. Uh, it was beautifully shot and beautifully directed. I have to to give props to Julius Avery, uh, who is not, I mean, he's not a director that you see a ton of stuff from. I mean, he did Overlord, which, uh, which was really good in 2018. Um, he did Samaritan in, well, that was last year, uh, the Amazon prime movies. It was a superhero movie, but it was kind of a, it was an interesting take on superheroes. I enjoyed it with Sylvester Stallone and, uh, I, I thought that was pretty good. And, and then he's done Pope's exorcist. So he has done a ton of stuff, but he's a, a director that has done good enough movies in the few movies that he's done that I've watched, he's good enough that I, I want to see more from him. I wish he would do more uh, because I think, well, you hone your craft by doing more. And I, I think for the most part, uh, I think he does a good job with the movies that I've seen him do. And, and to think that he could just get better with, with more movies under his belt. Uh, I think, you know, he has the potential to, to do some really amazing work uh, down the road. But at any rate, uh, I really loved what he did with this movie because there was a lot of interesting angles. Uh, they did uh, some very interesting camera work. I loved when Father Gabriel was riding his little Vespa up to the the Abbey in Castile, Spain. I, I just thought that was some there was some neat shots. There was some beautiful cinematography of of the Vatican and of the the Spanish countryside. I thought some of the shots were really amazing. I, I liked the direction of the movie. I thought the pace was was pretty good for an hour and 40. Yeah, it was probably just a shade under an hour and 45 minutes. Uh, I thought the movie moved along pretty quick. I mean, they got right into it, introducing the characters. Uh, Father Gabriel were introduced, and he's going right into an exorcism. Uh, the family that we meet, we we meet them. We get a sense of who they are. We get a sense of why we should care about them. And then we're right into Henry being possessed. And they don't waste a lot of time getting the Father Gabriel character to Spain. Uh, the movie moved along at a pretty good pace. It never once felt slow and boring. I never once felt like, oh, God, this is dragging out. When it was all said and done, uh, I never felt like, oh, that was all of uh, an hour and 45 minutes. Uh, I never felt like that at all. So it moved along at a pretty good clip. And that, I think, helped make it enjoyable. I, I think one of the biggest problems I had with this movie is kind of in the writing. Not in the dialogue and the story. Because I thought the story was really good. I thought the story uh, had some interesting ideas. I thought the dialogue was really good. Uh, especially the dialogue between Father Gabriel and Father Escabel. I, I thought the dialogue was good. I think where this, this movie kind of... Uh, faltered in the writing and and I have to give some credit to the writers uh, uh a couple of well-known writers I mean the, you, you've seen movies they've done Michael Petroni uh has done Queen of the Damned 
Chronicles of Nardia, The Voyage of the Dawn Trader, uh, another possession movie, The Right with Anthony Hopkins, uh, another possession movie that I was expecting to be more scary than it actually was, but uh, but he was one of the writers on this. Evan Spiliotopoulos, I'm probably butchering his name, but also has done uh, several things, including the Beauty and the Beast live action uh, movie, the 2019 Charlie's Angels, and a movie I really liked with uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, The Unholy, which came out in uh, 2021, a movie I really enjoyed. So uh, a couple writers that, that have got some, you know, so they've got some accomplishments. And, and like I said, I don't think the story was bad. I don't think the writing was bad in the, like I said, dialogue and, and storytelling. I think where this movie kind of faltered a little bit is in kind of the change of tone. First, you've got a, a possession movie that you know plays like a stereotypical exorcism movie. And, and in that, you, you don't really do anything different. And I think that was a problem with this, is that there was no new ground tread with how an exorcism movie should go. And and that was kind of... I, I, could, I could live with that because, like I said, the performances were really good. There were aspects to the story that were a little different that I hadn't quite seen before. Visually, we saw you know a couple little things, the whole thing with the eyes and stuff that we hadn't seen before i can get past the fact that this plays out like every other exorcism movie that that we've seen and i'm you know i i don't like it i want something different i want something new and and something that kind of sets the bar again but you know we haven't gotten that yet and the fact that we didn't get it with this it shouldn't be a huge disappointment because hey you know what uh, nobody else is doing anything different either i guess the problem i have is you set this up like a traditional exorcism story and and it does have some creepiness it doesn't have a, a lot of great scares but it does have some creepiness and then some atmosphere and you set up this mystery that was kind of interesting and had some some plot points that were were kind of different to a degree but then all the sudden the end of this movie and i i liked the end of the movie but it just felt like two different movies it felt like an exorcism movie and then it kind of changed into an action horror adventure almost felt like a, a marvel ending to a, a traditional possession exorcism movie uh i i still enjoyed it i liked it uh it, it felt very buddy cop in a way at the end with, with the two uh, priests but it felt like a different movie that climax as opposed to the rest of the movie we had leading up to it i enjoyed it but it just felt a little off and ultimately the performances i think are what made this movie well worth the watch you're not going to find anything groundbreaking in the way of exorcism movies i i'd liken this to kind of elements of pray for the devil which we saw last year or earlier this year pray for the devil and the exorcism of god which uh i thought was a really good movie and uh, an exorcism movie that like i said you're not finding anything new they're not breaking the mold but i thought the idea was was kind of unique as far as what happens in that movie. Unfortunately, I didn't watch that in time to really get an episode out when it was was fresh and new, but uh, a movie I really loved. If, if you like exorcism movies, I thought it had an interesting enough twist to make it a little bit different from from the rest of the pack and i think that's what you get with the pope's exorcist it's it's a little bit different like it like i said it has elements of pray for the devil it has elements of the exorcism of god but it, it also has uh, enough to make it just unique enough to make it a, a little bit different story-wise than some of the other exorcism movies 
as far as the exorcism itself goes, as far as the possession stuff goes, uh, nothing new under the sun with this. And I really hope one day we do get an exorcism movie that uh, really kind of takes the mold, smashes it, and throws it out, and just shows us something we have never seen before. I, I'm really hoping for that. But but until then, this was a, a good enough movie that it was an enjoyable watch. And like I said, if just for Russell Crowe's performance by itself, uh, it's it's well worth the watch because this is one of those movies, this is one of those performances where he's doing a horror movie and he could have just phoned it in, but by God, he's acting his ass off in this. And this movie really shows why Russell Crowe, for, for all the grief he gets sometimes, uh, Russell Crowe, this movie shows why he is a fantastic actor and well worth the watch just to see his performance and and the effects were really good too i mean they did a nice combination of practical effects and digital effects some cg effects a lot of cg enhancing uh, you know practical effect makeup and, and uh you know things of that nature i i really enjoyed the effort they put into that of course some of the the corpses we see later some cool you know dead prosthetics and and bodies and, and whatnot that uh, i think they did a really good job the props department really made this this whole abbey look old and ancient and well-worn and well-used over the the centuries. And then, of course, when you kind of get down into those catacombs, it looked dank and, and dingy and musty and, and cobweb-filled. And all of the bodies interred there are, are creepy and old. And it's just, it, it looked really good. It, uh, visually, from a cinematography standpoint, it looked great. And from a, a props and, like I said, the practical effects uh, enhanced by some digital effects there's there's some digital cg work in there but it's it's not bad uh there towards the end like i said that finale when it gets kind of marvelly and fantastical uh some of the cg work there is not the best i've ever seen but it's certainly not the worst i've ever seen so i'm i'm glad i watched it uh, it's a movie that I might even give it one more watch. Once it once it comes out on streaming, I might even watch it again to see if I missed anything. But uh, not a movie I'm going to watch a ton of times. Not a movie like I'm going to watch over and over again, like The Exorcist or Exorcist 3 or The Exorcism of Emily Rose or, or things like that. Kind of the, the exorcism movies that really got it right. But this is a movie I wouldn't mind seeing again because I did enjoy Russell Crowe's performance and the performance of all the actors in this that much uh, that made this movie. So I want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on The Pope's Exorcist. Uh, check it out. It's in movie theaters now. If you're if you're catching this episode later, uh, look for it on streaming because it's definitely not going to be your favorite exorcism movie. It's not going to be the greatest exorcism movie of all times. It's not going to show you anything you probably haven't seen before, but it is going to be an enjoyable watch i can i can tell you that much so check it out if you get a chance and check out more about what's going on with odds bodkins curiosity shop on facebook and on instagram uh, i'm always posting what's going on what episodes we've got coming up on facebook well i share uh, articles and trailers to the horror fantasy and science fiction that you know and love and check us out as i said on instagram and no matter where you listen to this podcast please follow it like it subscribe to it whatever you're going to do on whatever platform you happen to be listening to it on uh leave a review five stars will be awesome but whatever review you leave we do appreciate that and share it with anyone that you know that loves good genre stuff horror fantasy and science fiction share it and get the word out about our podcast and until next time 
Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!